Hey, welcome to uh, Redeemer Church, Cortine Development. Uh, last week we talked about evangelism, and we're doing the same thing again uh, today. Uh, can anyone tell me um, what was at the heart of last week's uh, teaching on evangelism? That's cool. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm up for that. Can anybody? Tell me what was at the heart. You can even consult your notes if you don't notes. The starting point of is passion for God's glory. Right on. Okay. Yes. That was one of the things at the heart of evangelism was uh, you know, a passion for God's glory. Remember it was out of Acts 17 and Paul's at Athens and he's provoked in his spirit about all this idolatry. And his response to all that idolatry was to what? Go to the synagogues and and engage the Jews. Go to the marketplace and talk to everyone who was there. Have conversations with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And then ultimately, he gets called to the Areopagus all to talk about Jesus. In fact, uh, in Acts 17, it, it tells us that he was talking about Jesus and the resurrection. And that's why there was so much interest. Yeah. What else? Anybody remember or take a note? There was also a readiness, right? A readiness to to give you know a reason for the hope that is within you. That you know, in Acts 17 again, they use the the word reasoned. Paul reasoned with them in the synagogues, and he reasoned with whoever was in the marketplace and with the Stoic, Epicurean, and Stoic philosophers. There, were, he was he was re, he was giving a reason. He was ready to talk about and give a defense, uh, an apologetic for, for uh, Jesus and the resurrection. Okay, The point is, last week when we talked about evangelism, um, the, the, what I was trying to do with looking at Acts 17 the way we did was to lay a biblical foundation for evangelism. And I think that we did come to this agreement last week. I think we all agreed that that evangelism is central to the Christian life and to the Christian mission. Correct? Didn't we all agree that to that? that we're here? Uh, obviously, yes. those of you who weren't here last week, you didn't agree to that. But I bet you would, right? You know, yeah. That evangelism is is central to Christian life, Christian mission. It, it, it's and the mission of the church. You know, it's evangelism is central to that, and I wanted us to uh, think along those lines with about Redeemer Church. Ah, uh, there we go, and think about how evangelism is central, or needs to be central. How vital it is to Redeemer Church. There's our vision statement. Um, somebody read it, or quote it from memory if you have it memorized. Because we exist to exalt Christ, we strive to see lives transformed to the glory of God through the proclamation of the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit to all peoples. Do you guys see the connection between evangelism and that vision statement? Yes, you do. Because the people on the internet listening can't hear your head shake yes. So, yes. 
absolutely. I mean, evangelism is central to the heart of that vision statement. I mean, that vision statement is more than evangelism, yes. But evangelism is central to that. Do, do you see that vision coming about apart from evangelism? No. No. Very good. No, I don't either. Okay? Um, so, how about our mission statement? Somebody else other than Phil Hoeing, thank you for reading the last time, read this one so we get everybody involved. Our mission at Redeemer Church is to build a redemptive community of gospel-centered people. Okay. Build a, com- a redemptive community of gospel-centered people. Again, do you see how evangelism is central to that mission? Yes. 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 How is a, you know, a, a redemptive community of gospel-centered people built? Well, it's built by individuals coming to faith in Christ, being redeemed, and then being joined with a community of other redeemed individuals. Okay? Uh, yeah, that's... So again, evangelism is at the heart, central to that. Do you see that mission being fulfilled without evangelism taking place? No. No, no we don't. And so, I, I thought it was real important for us to think about our vision and our mission in light of evangelism and how those things are connected so that we could you know, understand that Evangelism is central to what we do. Now, it's not, it's, you know, evangelism is not our God. <laughs> you know, it's not our, if, it, if, if evangelism becomes our God, in some weird way, we become idolaters. You know, God is still God. Christ is still the center of the church. Okay? Christ is still the head of the church. Evangelism is not the head. Christ is the head. But still, evangelism is at the heart and central to the to the vision and mission of the church and the vision and mission of Redeemer Church. And so, um, you know, evangelism is an activity and a ministry that we all must be involved in. I think it's that simple. Okay, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to suggest this morning, I'd like to suggest um, a... A basic evangelism strategy um, that, and, and, and as you, as I go through this basic evangelism strategy, you're gonna, I'm convinced you're gonna see a couple of things. You're gonna see one that it's biblical. Um, I'm not gonna necessarily um, turn to one passage of scripture and 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 you know teach expositionally through that one passage of scripture to show you this evangelism strategy. But I do want you to recognize and be thinking about how the strategy is biblical. And I'm going to help you with that along the way. But also, um, I want you to see how connected this strategy is to Redeemer Church's vision, mission, goals, goals of mission, core values, and our, uh, and our strategy. Some of the same words that show up in our 6P strategy. Do you guys remember the six P's? Anybody? How about as a group, can we remember the six P's? Presence, patience. Okay. Planning, patience. Yeah. Planning, patience. Yeah. Prayer. Uh-huh. Personal relationship. Yeah. Proclamation. Uh-huh. And planting. Planting. Right. Very good. Excellent. 
Um, and actually, some of those same words are going to show up in the, in the evangelism strategy. So, here is this basic strategy that I'd like to uh, suggest. It, it begins with prayer. That we pray. Um, and then it goes to engage. Okay? And as, as I unpack some of these components of the strategy, you'll see more of the, some words that are familiar in our core values and, and all that. Like, for example, if I see, I'm suggesting that our evangelism strategy beginning with prayer. Um, where have you heard that word before? You just heard it, right? In our 6P strategy. Prayer is part of our strategy as a church to fulfill our vision and our mission and the goals of our mission and, and to support our core values. So, and pray. But, you know, engage. What does that mean? We're going to get to that. And then, so. Okay? Um, and then, and, and then, harvest. Um, those, that's the four-part basic strategy that I would like to suggest um, for an evangelism strategy for Redeemer Church. Um, well, what, am I, what do I mean when I say pray? Well, I think it begins with us being a praying people. Um, let's go back to that being one of our strategies simply to fulfill our mission of, you know, um, building a redemptive community of gospel-centered people. We realize that we got we have to be a praying people to see that accomplished. Um, the same thing is true in the area of evangelism. If we long to see the gospel communicated to unbelievers and them come to repentance and faith in Christ, we're going to need to be a praying people. Um, does anyone here doubt that the Bible teaches, commands, and admonishes us to pray. Does anyone doubt that? No. In fact, we can all think of something that the Bible has to say about praying, right? Let me hear some. What, what are some of the things the Scripture says about prayer? Devote yourself to prayer, keep me alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Okay. Okay, there we go. There's one. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Jesus teaching on the Lord's Prayer. Okay, alright. Jesus teaching on the Lord's Prayer. There you go. An example an example prayer. So to follow up on what uh, Judy just said, uh, Colossians 4 3, at the same time, pray for us also that God may open the door to us for the word to be declared the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that he cleared. Uh, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Okay. All right. How, how about uh, Philippians 4, 6? You know, do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So pray about everything. You know, here are some things this, the Scripture says about praying. Pray for one another. Pray for all men. Pray for those who are in authority. Uh, uh, you know, pray for... The, the proclamation of the gospel. You know, pray that will I will proclaim the gospel as I should speak. You know, um, uh, pray about everything. Pray without ceasing. Uh, pray with persistence. Pray don't give up. Pray for your enemies. Those are all biblical admonitions towards prayer. So, in all things, 
we ought to be a praying people. So just simply, as a people and as a community of faith, regularly practicing prayer, I think say going to be a big part of anything that we do. That's why prayer is one of our six P's and our six P strategy, because we recognize that it is it is a foundational element in all the things that we do as a church. Well, let's not forget that when it comes to evangelism. Um, and I just want to go back to something that when I was um, uh, in college at, uh, and this is when I was at the University of Oklahoma, a moment of silence, please. Because the Sooners lost to Miami last night, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm hurting, okay? I mean, I, I nearly cried myself to sleep. Not quite, but on. Okay, I'm over. Uh, but when I, when, we had a Sunday school teacher at, at the church that we attended, and um, he, he was, I think he was the director of uh, InterVarsity at OU. And, uh, and he always said this, and I thought this was really cool, always talk to God about men before you talk to men about God. Simply saying, you know, we need to be praying about evangelism. We need to be praying for the lost. We need to be praying for people who need to come to faith in Christ. And we need to be praying for them before we start talking to them. Because sometimes there's this tendency for us to think, okay, i got to go do evangelism. And we just go out and, and, and kind of, and, and, and just sort of manufacture this, this evangelistic activity without any praying ahead of time or during that time or afterwards and we just get it backwards um, now we don't even get it backwards we just get it wrong when we do that so I mean prayer is foundational to all those things we do but I also want us to think about um, prayer walking okay, as a way to involve a ministry of prayer in our evangelistic activity you know, prayer walking is simple you walk around and pray about what you see. That's that's the thing with prayer walking. So you know, if we if we just, if we just got up right now and decided we're gonna we're gonna practice what we're preaching and we're gonna go do a prayer walk right now, we'd go out these doors and maybe we'd walk over to campus. And and if we walked across the street and and started a prayer walk, what might be the first thing we started praying about? The, the girls in Lincoln Avenue Residence Hall, LAR, right across the street, all girls dorm. Maybe we start praying for them, you know. And then, and then let's say if we walked, you know, around the side, and then there would be Allen Hall behind it, and um, and then we we pray for the students in Allen Hall, and then we'd see the Child Development Center kind of across the way. So maybe we'd start praying for some children, especially the children involved there, and then and, and, and ministries to children. And then we see the rec center there. Uh, the it's, is it is it Whitney? It used to be called Whitney. I don't even know what it's called now. Seriously now. Seriously now, yeah. You know, and then maybe we'd start, you know, praying for athletes. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Prayer, but or let's say instead of walking across the street, we decided to walk that direction on this side of Lincoln Avenue. What might we begin to pray for? Sororities and fraternities, because we got a sorority house and a sorority house, and there's a fraternity house back there, and I don't even know what this house is next door, but we need to pray for them. You know, uh, at one time that was the men's rugby senior house or something like that. But, um, or let's say you started to pray in your neighborhood. 
if you did a prayer walk in your neighborhood, then you'd start praying for your neighbors. You'd either pray, you'd start praying for the ones that you know, but then you'd start praying for the ones you don't know. You know, and as you did your prayer walking, something interesting might start to happen. You would, you you would discover and examine, and. We, when I say discovers, you discover groups of, of lost people. You would discover who the lost people are around you, who the unbelievers around you are. Okay, And, and this discover and examine, I, I really think this is connected to evangelistic praying. You know, um, as, we, as we are a praying people, as we practice prayer walking, which is kind of just discovery praying, you know. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's really what it is. You begin to discover who the lost people are, not as individuals, but also as groups, you know. Like, you would discover sororities, sorority girls, as a as a, um, a, an, a group of lost people. And probably a group that lots of movies are made about, I don't know. And then, and then fraternities, fraternity guys. You know, um, uh, international students, um, young married families, goths, um, homosexuals, um, crunchies. I don't know what else to call it. Those are the um, artistic people who don't shower a lot. I call them crunchies. I'm, I hope that I mean, and I don't mean that in a. Actually, maybe I do mean that in a demeaning way. So I should probably repent. I don't. I don't think I do, but maybe I do. I, maybe I need to reevaluate that. But there's a certain type. Like there's a couple different types of artistic people. There's the artistic people who also take showers, and the artistic people that don't. Okay. I, and so crunchies. I, I picked that up from somebody else. I don't. Let's not get hung up on that. Okay. Like I seem to be right now. <laughs> my, my apologies. But you know what I'm saying? We'll, we'll discover, but also you'll discover, we might also discover that not only are these groups of lost people, but there's also just some individuals like Jeff and Jessica. You know, and Ryan and Marty. You know, we'll, 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 Ashley. You know, we'll, we'll find some individuals who don't know Christ. And the examined part is let's examine their needs. As we discover them, let's examine their needs. What are their needs? Well, their first need, of course, is to come to Christ. But what other needs do they have? Because examining their other needs are going to help us okay, in praying for them, and later on engaging them, which is the next part of the strategy. And these things are linked because as we discover and examine, that helps us toward engagement. But also in this prayer area, let's, we can't forget this. We need to pray specifically for the lost. We need to pray regularly by name for people that don't know Christ. Why, you know, why do we do that? Why is that important? So that hopefully they can eventually find God. Absolutely, absolutely, sure. Does it, maybe it begins with that we know that God hears and answers prayer. <laughs> could that could that be the starting point? Why that's important? 
God hears and answers, right? But also, um, if we're praying for lost people specifically by name, what has to happen for us? We know that they're lost, and then we can also help them come to know God. Exactly. We know that they're lost. In other words, we, we get to know them. If we're going to pray by name for lost people, then we're going to know personally some people who are lost. And if we don't, we're going to get to we're going to go get to know some. And then exactly, then something happens in us as we continually pray for lost people. Then something happens inside of us that heightens our awareness. And you know, and and, and this is a big part of what happens when we pray. You know, you know, uh, I'm a I'm, I'm a I'm a firm believer that, you know, what prayer changes most often is us. You know, we're changed by prayer. As we pray for lost people, guess what? Our heart is burdened for those that are lost, and especially as we pray for them by name, then we start sharing the gospel with them. And like you said, helping them to come to faith in Christ, helping them to come to know God. That that really is a direct result often of us praying by name individually for people who are lost. So, pray. And now, here's the next component of the strategy, engage. Um, what are some definitions that you can think of for the word engage? Hmm? To approach. To approach, okay. To approach. To let go. To let go. Hmm. Or to remove a stop. To engage, you have to remove something to engage for Okay. Okay, yeah. So, to turn on. To turn on the power. How's that? Turn on the power. I see. Because what I was thinking of was Captain Picard. Yep, yep. I'm a, I'm a Trek-er, not a Trek-e. Okay, Trekkies. You don't call a guy who drives a 18-wheeler a truckie. He's a trucker. And I'm a Trekker. Okay. Um, okay. But I was thinking of Captain Picard saying... Engage, and what that is is turn on the warp speed. Let's go. You know, I mean, it's to turn on the power. Okay, and I think that's what you were really getting at when you said that. If I interpreted that correctly, yeah. But um, what else? What are some other ideas of engage? Connect. Connect. Right, and maybe even connect in a special way because you know we think about um, well, when a man and a woman fall in love and are moving towards marriage, and they're deciding to get married, they get engaged. And that's because that's a, that's a description of a special kind of connection. Okay? So, getting connected, but, you know, this going forward, going out, you know, we engage. Um, I, I, I even think about, like, uh, um, <laughs> this is weird, probably because it's the weekend, and my weekends are often uh, devoted to football, uh, and I'm also thinking about what the definition of a, of, you know, a chop block is. If um, someone is engaged in a block up high, and somebody else blocks them low when they're engaged with someone blocking up high, that's a chop block. And that, so, that, so there, the word engaged is simply interacting, if they're interacting. So, uh, and I think all of those words, all of those definitions get at what I'm talking about when I say engage. Um, you know, we need to be going out, connecting, interacting with the power.
turned on, <laughs> okay, um, with, well, um, the mission. We need to engage the mission. We need to be interacting and connected to and going forward, going out with the power and in power for the mission. What is the mission? Well, the mission begins with, you know, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, go and preach the gospel to all of creation. You know, uh, that's the beginning. That, that's the mission. Okay, the mission. But there's also that mission of you know. Uh, building redemptive communities of gospel-centered people. There's that mission as well. And so the engage component of our evangelism strategy is to engage and remember what engage means, right? I don't want to, do I need to, like, go through the list of the engage things every time I say engage? You guys, you guys got it, right? Okay, good. Because I was kind of getting tired of saying that. Okay. All right. But also there's engage the community. Okay, engage the community. And this, this is more along the lines of engaging numbers of people, groups of people. Um, remember when, I, when we were talking about under the prayer component of the strategy, we are talking about, you know, discover and examine. And one of the things I said we might discover is we would discover um, uh <coughs> Groups of lost people, well, that's what I mean when I say community. We could, instead of saying groups, I could say communities. We could discover communities of lost people. And so one community of lost people might be mothers of preschoolers. Okay? Um, there, there is a community that needs to be engaged by believers, by us. Okay, um, students at the University of Illinois, international students, um, young families, single mothers, sorority girls, fraternity guys, the rugby team, um, Parkland students. Uh, the families, international families of students. Those are the the crunchies, okay, the the goths. Um, poor. Um, those are all communities that need to be engaged, um, and we. This, I'm getting, this is talking about presence and service. When I'm talking about engaging the communities, we're getting at presence, service kinds of things. Uh, you remember when we talked about presence? That was simply, you know, we're talking about having a presence in the community that 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 is a salt and light kind of presence. You know, this very distinctive. Um, uh, engaging <laughs> kind of presence in the community in service, you know, serving the community. Um, I, this was pretty cool. Um, the, the ministry that meets here, the college ministry that meets here, basic, um, on, was it Friday, Joe? Did you guys did I help? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
the university has this volunteer program called iHelp. It encourages U of I students to volunteer to do a service project in the community. And so BASIC decided we're going to, as a group, participate in that. And so there were seven, eight, nine of you, something like that, who, who, uh, who signed up and went, and you guys painted. You guys, first of all, you guys got connected with like 13 other students at U of I. Were they all Christians? Um, no. Hmm? no. Probably not. See, so here you had Christian students and, and unbelieving students connecting together to do this service project. Uh, so there was opportunity to represent Christ to the people you were serving alongside and also to represent Christ to those whom you served. And what did you guys do? We painted uh, some rooms at elementary school and there's um, also their uh, teachers on Okay, and do you remember what school it was? What was it like? Stratford Elementary. Stratford Elementary. Okay, Stratford Elementary. See, so that's an example of presence and service. That's that's an example of engaging the community. Um, there are hundreds of things like that that we can talk about and think of and be involved in in engaging the community. Uh, another example: a friend of mine, actually a former student here. Who uh, she's married now and has a little boy whose name is James, by the way. Um, um, <laughs> Joanna Samples. She lives in Thomasboro, and uh, in Thomasboro they have this basically really crummy park called Westside Park, and she got involved with the neighborhood watch program for the purpose of helping them do a fundraiser and get money to improve the park. And she she put together this um, donation program called Sea uh, Mama Run. And she trains and runs these like 10, 10K races. And people say, oh, well, if you can run this race, I'll donate to this cause. And they donate through her blog. But her blog is full of her Christian experience. Okay, That's another example of her, in, I think that's an excellent example of engaging the community. And it's, 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 it's presence and it's service. She's serving the community, but she's also just, just expressing this Christian presence in her community. Because people read her blog because it's See Mama Run, and they donate. And they get a Christian witness that way. And who knows what other opportunities she's going to have through the experience. So anyway, just a couple of things I wanted to highlight there. Okay, but we also need to engage the... Um, we're going to engage the lost. Okay? Alright? And that's that's where personal relationships come in. Oh, by the way, have you heard that somewhere before too? And also presence, right? Those are all... So, how many of our six P strategy are we talking? Have we talked about already? We talked about prayer, okay, and, and, and we talked about presence, and now we're going to talk about personal relationships and um, something. That's, and, and believe me, we're going to get to proclamation, <laughs> okay? You know, we're going to get there, no doubt. But um, when we're talking about engaging individuals who are lost, there's got there's got to be personal relationships. We have to engage people in personal relationships. 
Um, I've mentioned Jeff and Jessica. They're my neighbors, live across the street. They are not Christians. Moved to moved here from California. He's a policeman, champagne policeman. Um, and we're developing a relationship. And from, you know, sometimes all that happens is that in that relationship is that we talk and laugh and and stuff. But, you know, there's some other things that happen in the context of that relationship. Sometimes um, sometimes I talk about, and the cool thing is they're both, they're both, Jeff and Jessica are both ex-Army. And so with Sandy being in the Marine Corps, uh, that we often have something to talk about because they're always asking about him. And I always get to give a, give a, uh, a gospel witness because one of the things that the Marine Corps has done for my son Sandy is really forced him to cling to his relationship with Christ. My son Sandy's more engaged in his relationship with God than he's ever been in his life. And I get to tell him that. And I get to tell him stories of, of, of how that's happening. In fact, it was pretty funny. Um, Sandy finished his Marine combat training. He got off-base liberty. This is the first time since he's been away from home that he got off of a, off of a Marine base without me. Okay? Uh, so I'm thinking, oh, you know, what's he... What's he going to do? Is he with his Marine Corps buddies? They could go, you know, strip club, bar, whatever. The first thing they did was found a street preacher who was in the military. And he gave them their his personal testimony about how God saved him from his wild lifestyle when he was in the military. Sandy was clean that night, I guarantee you, because God reminded him of what he'd been doing his life through this street preacher that they accidentally met. And that was a great story to tell Jeff and Jessica. That how, you know, man, God's been really faithful to keep Sandy on the straight and narrow and even use this guy, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't think I even told you guys that story, have I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was in a phone call that Sandy had, so anyway, it was cool. But point is personal relationships. It, it is unwise of us to think that we're going to regularly see individuals come to faith in Christ through our witness without personal relationships. Now it's true that sometimes you'll just encounter someone in a that you've never met before and you'll tell them about Jesus and they will be ready to receive Christ because because someone else has sown, someone else has watered, and you just get the privilege of harvesting. But you know what? Maybe you didn't have the personal relationship, but somebody did. There was a personal relationship engaging that person, and then you just got to be the person that came along at the end for the harvest. But personal relationships are a big part of engaging the lost, and and don't underestimate hospitality. Hospitality is one of the greatest uh, evangelistic ministries we have. Um, there's something about having people in your home, um, engaging them in personal relationship, and engaging them with the gospel. Um, in fact, people will be more open over a meal. 
It's just that simple. And there's this book that I have commended to you on more than one occasion. It's called Total Church. How many of you have read it? What's the deal, people? (laughs) Read that book. Come on. Who needs a copy? Raise your hand if you need a copy of that book. Okay. All those books and you don't have a copy. Dude, that's awesome. (laughs) So everyone else has a copy. Right? Seriously, you guys need to read that book. And one of the things that's that ha- in a, and I, 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 okay at this point, maybe I'm getting a little bit confused because I also went to the Total Church conference and heard the authors speak. And now I can't remember if this was in the book or this is something one of the authors said. But they're talking about how you know often we gauge people's discipleship by you know how many books they've read, how many verses they've memorized, how long their quiet time is. And he said, you know what? I also like to look at your grocery bill. Are you spending more on chicken because you've got people in your home that you're engaging with the gospel? Because you're practicing the ministry of hospitality. It's like, you know, your, your grocery bill going up ought to also be an indicator of your, your discipleship, your, your growth. Um, because there's just no substitute for that. Yeah, but this whole idea, first of all, having people in your home, they're relaxed, they see your care, um, and then at a meal, people just open up. Have you ever encountered that, that people are just seem to tell you stuff over a meal that they probably wouldn't tell you any other time? Have you ever noticed that? Um, when, uh, when we went to, when I was still the campus minister here and leading basic, we went on a mission trip to New York City. And uh, the way we got there, because we, you know, we could have taken a van and driven over there, but do you, do you have any idea how much it costs to park in, New York, in, in Manhattan? Because we stayed in Manhattan, a half a block off of Times Square. Do you know how much it costs to park? It's like $36 a day. So we were going to spend a fortune in once we rented this van and drove there and then parking. So you know what we did? We took the train. Honey, do you remember how long it was? It was like 18 hours each way. So we're 18 hours on a train. Amtrak. There's a dining car. Do you know when you go to the dining car on an Amtrak train, if you go by yourself, you will always sit with at least three strangers. Because there is no you get your own table. They pack it. I mean, it's it's a train car. You know, every seat has to be full. So what I did was I wouldn't go to the dining car with anybody, any of my friends, any of my students. I'd go, if I did, I'd only go with one other. So we'd always, I would always get with two or three strangers. And I met this one woman. Her name was Willow. I know. I don't. And she was a she was a grad student studying Tibetan studies at Harvard. This was on the trip back, by the way, because we're and she was going out to California to lead this Buddhist gathering. Uh, she was actually the Buddhist campus minister at Harvard. And uh, I, I went in there and that's who I had. Did her and two other guys that didn't, she was by herself, I went in there by myself, those two guys were together. And man, they all just told me all kinds of stuff. She told me all about Buddhism and and her journey to that. And I shared, talked to her about Jesus a bunch. And at the end, of our conversation, I said, you know, Willow, this has been really encouraging to me. And, you know, actually,
actually, I think this is a fulfillment of something that the Scripture says. Because in Acts 17, 26 and 27, says that from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the earth. And he determined the times and the exact places where they should live. And God did this so that together men would reach out for him, perhaps find him, because he's not far from each one of us. And I said, I think that's exactly what's been going on here with the, with us, you know. Uh, we've been kind of, and the other two guys, they, they talked about their lives and stuff, and they opened up and were open to hearing, but she was the most open. And then she's like, hmm, that's interesting. You know, it's a little bit of a cold response. And then, guess who I happened to sit with at breakfast the next morning? Willow. And I said, see? Her eyes got, like, gigantic, and uh, she was nearly speechless. But, you know, there's just something about having a meal with someone. They just open up and tell you stuff, and they're more open to hearing what you have to say. It's like those barriers to religious talk often fall about a meal. So a ministry of hospitality, you know, having people in your home and, and feeding them and engaging them in personal relationship in that way is uh, vitally important. Okay. Um, so, and I'm talking about sowing the gospel. Okay, that's what we're talking about. When I use when I say sow, it's sowing the gospel. This is the part of that proclamation part. This is actually communicating the gospel. And, and, and I, um, I want to suggest that you know we need to have a number of <coughs> sowing activities. Uh, I, I think that scripture distribution. It's still one of those things. Um, sometimes we feel like, and we are wrong <laughs> when we think this, that somehow the scripture needs my help to get the gospel across. That someone can't just get the, get the scripture in their language and come to Christ. Somehow, there's got to be something. Man, we so underestimate the power of the Word of God when, when we do that. You know, um, yes, we need to be communicating the gospel verbally ourselves, but um, the power of the Word of God is, I mean, it, it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword able to pierce the division of soul and spirit and bone and marrow, judging the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You know, God's Word is powerful for salvation, and it can lead people to repentance and faith as they experience it, as they read it. And so, you know, giving away Scripture portions, distributing the Scripture, it is a valid way of sowing, and it's one we, we, we ought to practice. And I remember... My first pastor at DeSoto, Illinois. Honey, do you remember those? Um, we got them from the International Bible Society. It was the family. Was it called the Family to Family Pack or something like that? Do you remember? But you, it was like sixty or eighty bucks, and you got like three hundred of them. And it was this little door hanger bags, and, you, and it had a Gospel of John. Um, a little introduction card for your church. You, you know, say, hey, we're your friends in the neighborhood. Want to say hi, blah, blah, you know, come worship with us. I don't remember what all it said on it. And then there was a little, like, a four spiritual laws gospel track. Only it was the, the four things God wants you to know or something like that. I don't know, you know. And I'm not a big fan of the four spiritual laws track, but that's another thing for another time. But anyway, had that gospel of John in there. And then we added a bag of microwave popcorn. And we just basically hung those on doors. And... Um, I mean, we, it was a knock on the door to hand. It was just like, hang on the doorknob and go. We, uh, I think for Christmas, that was our Christmas gift to our community. 
and uh, we bought enough of those to get every house in DeSoto. It was only, it was only like four or five hundred homes, thing, you know, whatever. Um, and we actually had people who came to church because they received that, and we got letters from people who were like, that impacted them, you know. Um, and it was just simply scripture distribution. We actually ended up doing that at the next church where we served too, only that time the church paid for it instead of us. But yeah, that was cool. It was just scripture distribution. And that's a valid sewing technique. I'm not going to say that should be, by no means should that be the only thing that we do. But that ought to be part of what we do in, in this whole sewing. But then there's personal testimonies. You know, um, if you have come to faith in Christ, if you have repented and expressed faith in Jesus and are a Christian, guess what? You have a story to tell. You have a testimony of how you how God has worked in your life. And that is also a valid sowing opportunity by just simply sharing your experience with others. Um, that's, that's sowing seeds of the gospel. Um, it's biblical. Paul did it. Paul regularly... You know, in, in more than one place, he, he talked about his experience in coming to faith in Christ. Um, it, it is a biblical activity. And then simply gospel presentations. That's also sowing. We simply talk to people about sin, you know, a, a holy God, man's sin, separation from God because of sin, Christ's coming, his sinless life, his, his death, and... Through repentance and faith, you know, having salvation. Uh, we want to get death resurrection in there because resurrection shows that, it's the, well, for a bunch of reasons. You guys understand the significance of resurrection. I don't need to go through that right now, do I? Well, I'm going to real quick. Okay, one, you know, is that it shows that God accepted Christ's sacrifice for sin. You know, by raising from the dead, God says, okay, I accept this sacrifice. My this is an appropriate propitiation. Get that word in there, my favorite word. Um, okay, I, I digress. And then, of course, the resurrection is this promise of resurrection power and a future resurrection for us. Okay, so, but those components, presenting that to individuals, sharing the gospel in verbal form, that's also part of the sowing. Alright, so now I want to get to harvesting. Why does harvesting need to be part of our strategy? Isn't that really up to God? I mean, isn't it doesn't our responsibility end with communicating, being faithful to communicate the gospel? Aren't the results up to God? Yes, the results are up to God. But here's why I think harvesting needs to be part of our strategy. It's God's strategy. Harvesting is God's strategy. Why shouldn't it be part of ours? Um, God's purpose is to save some. That, that, that some would be saved. That they would come to repentance and faith in Christ through His people presenting the gospel. God's strategy is a strategy of harvest. In fact, one of the things that we didn't mention on the prayer was pray that... God, the Lord of the harvest, would send workers into the harvest field. So, again, God's strategy is to use us as workers in the harvest field. When I talk about harvest, we're talking about harvest of souls, people coming to faith in Christ. But then also it's expression of faith. 
When we say harvesting is part of our strategy, we're saying that we believe, we have faith that God is going to do what He said He's going to do, which is to send workers into the harvest field, that He's going to, as the Son of Man is lifted up, draw men to Himself, that you know, when His Word goes forth, it will accomplish its purpose and not return void. We're expressing our faith in a sovereign God when we have harvesting as part of our strategy. Okay. Um, and then it shows our commitment to the mission. It also expresses our commitment to the mission when harvest is part of our strategy. And the mission being, beginning with the Great Commission, but also filtering down to our mission of, you know, building a redemptive community of gospel-centered people. Alright. How much... We just have a few minutes, but I want to talk a few minutes about application. Here's the deal with the strategy. Strategy is meant to what? You put into practice, right? You know, a strategy is meant to be used and engaged to accomplish the mission, right? So, how are we going to apply this strategy to redeem our church? How are we going to apply? How are and, and then how are you going to apply this strategy to your life? How's Redeemer Church going to apply this strategy to Redeemer Church? How is, you know, a community group going to apply this strategy to that community group? How is one of our life transformation groups, you know, Joe, Keith, how are we going to apply this strategy to our life transformation group? Um, how is Jim Smith going to apply this strategy to his life? How is Phil Hoeing going to apply this to his life? How is how is Caleb Billingsley going to apply this strategy to his life? In the, in, in a, in the next few minutes, I, I'd like for us to talk about that. What, what comes to your mind right now? What's on your heart right now in this area of you know, praying and engaging uh, and, and sowing and harvesting?
Somebody else. In, in, in this, what, what, what are you thinking? What's on your heart right now? Well, talking about the you know hospitality thing, uh, our neighbors behind us, uh, she's a lawyer, he's a chemistry professor here on campus. Is it, is it Christian? Yeah, yeah. Christian and she's been, like, she's just super, duper busy. She's the volleyball coach at Uni High right now. And she, uh, you know, is doing her lawyer thing. And But we just got to talk with her. So we had laying outside playing with this kite in the alley. And she was falling into the driveway. And we got to talk with her. And, and I was just really excited because I had never been able to talk to her. Every time I'm, like, waving at her, she's just, like, focused. She's ready to go. You know, she's got to get somewhere quickly. Yeah. And so I was like, you guys should come over for dinner sometime. She's like, that would be great. I mean, like, she was just really excited about that. And I don't think she was pretending it because, she, I mean, if she doesn't want to do something, I think she's the kind of person that would be like, well, we'll see about that. Yeah. And, you, know, you know, it takes an invitation, but we just really don't have time, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just excited about that because I've just really been praying that we can connect with them. I talk to Christian a lot because he's outside gardening and stuff, but I haven't talked to her as much. And so, I don't know, I'm just excited. But obviously that means choosing a time and saying, can you come over on Tuesday? Or, right. you know, doing that. But anyway. And then also I've been able to talk to the campus minister at Crusade. His wife um, and I have gotten to know each other a little bit because we're homeschooling. Oh, she's homeschooling as well. And she's just really fun. And so just talking to her, and then I think next semester I'm going to be able to begin even talking to some of those students more, the Crusade students and all that. So that will be really fun, which means that maybe people from here would be able to join in, you know, join in that yeah. as well. So that's engaging those students again. Something that that we talked about in our community group last week in this area of engage is um, uh, um, at, at, at your place of work, what can we do as a community group to help you engage your coworkers? You know, is it hey, hey, our community group will bring you know bring in lunch for your whole office or work group or whatever. And so we're going to bring you this nice home-cooked lunch. That means you guys don't have to spend your money to order out. You don't have to get Jimmy John's or whatever because we're just going to bring it in. And um, and it's going to be you know everything from salad, main course to dessert, the whole deal. And then you know that's something tangible that you can point to and say, yeah, that's the community group from that ch- my church and I've been telling you about. I'm part of this new church plant. And so these are the people, you know, and the, they want us to do this for us and, and, you know, whatever. You know, and just that helps you. We as a community group engage, but it helps you, you know, kind of have more depth of engagement. Um, or, or maybe it's we'll bring in we'll bring in bagels from Panera for your for the morning for your office or whatever. You know, what are what are some things that we can do as a community group to do that? Uh, so that's one thing that comes to my mind in that setting. And then something that I've been thinking about for our life transformation group in this whole area of prayer. You know. Um, in our life transformation group, why not? You know, we have a we, we're um, developing. We, we have some accountability questions that someday are going to be on a card, <laughs> and, and maybe even by tomorrow they're going to be on a card. Why not on the other side of that card just have a line with three three lines 
for you to write the names of some unbelievers that we can pray for by name. And then our Life Transformation Group just commits to pray for every, for all, you know, like, so there's four of us in our Life Transformation Group, so those 12 names. We commit to pray for those 12 names every week, specifically for those 12 individuals who are lost, you know. Or, you know, why, why not every once in a while our Life Transformation Group doing a prayer walk, you know, um, stuff like that. Uh, those are a couple couple things I thought about it, both in the area of engagement and prayer. Somebody else? As the pastor, <laughs> I would like to see us as a church engage more with the community. I would agree. Scripture distribution or some sort of service project. You know, we we want to build that into community groups, so maybe it's like a community group set something up. But I would like to see that come from the bottom up. I would like to see that be initiated and orchestrated by some of you all, rather than just us. You know, uh, or somebody has an idea, they present it to the group, like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And then that person's like, yeah, I'll make the arrangements. Not that they do everything, you know, right. or maybe it's they delegate certain things out or whatever, but just taking that initiative to provide those opportunities. I think that that would strengthen us a lot as a church, and one of those things that we've been praying for. We want it to be not just something that, that we as elders declare, okay, we're going to do this. We want it, we want to see it come from the church body as a whole. And so if you wouldn't mind praying for uh, God's wisdom and, and how we can do that. Anybody else some thoughts or what's on your mind, what's on your heart in this area? Well, this isn't for the for the winter time, but you know, at Western Oaks in Springfield, Ed um, Chetzel, youth pastor, is the pastor there, and there they had some people in their church that decided let's grow a community garden, and so they worked together as a church to grow this garden, and then all the things that they grew, they would take them weekly to this area of Springfield that had very poor people or just kind of people that were having rough times that don't normally get fresh produce, for example. And they would engage them that way. And so it was a good time to like come together as a church. Even even young believers can help well young believers can help do a lot of things, but it was just something that they felt like young believers felt encouraged to do. I mean, yeah. they can help pick peppers or plant seeds and then take it together with people. And that was just really... They, he said that it was more fruitful than he would have... Well, that's kind of funny. Than he would have expected... Or not that he didn't expect it to be It's a very organic thing to do. That's right, that's right. But it was, just, it was just even better than he ever anticipated it would be. And I thought that was a fun idea because... Yeah. Some of us have yards. I mean, it doesn't have to be at a church lot. You know what right, I mean? yeah. We just do it in our yard right. and take it together and do yeah. it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. You know, we have a we have a fairly significant uh, opportunity to engage the community coming up this month. Do you know what is Do you know what happens on October 31st? Halloween. That that I mean, that's a that's that's a time when the community is out. You know. Um, and I think we have some opportunities to engage the community, um, you know, during during Halloween. Um, 
and I'd be interested in what some of your ideas, I don't know, I have some ideas, but I don't want to, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like along the lines with Chet, let's, I, I'd like for us to determine us as all of us, you know, not, you know, like a different us, <laughs> like us as elders were, but it's like all of us to have some ideas that we're passionate about, and move forward. you know, like, well, Phil kind of has an idea, he's expressed a sort of a showing a movie on your garage and ministering to your neighborhood that way. Man, that's that's great. And we maybe like I don't know if you get a lot of trick or treater action in your neighborhood, but maybe you know maybe us doing sort of out you know just a community ministry event at Halloween at Phil's house that involved you know I don't know the, I, I don't know what kind of Halloween. Well, I know like at our church and. We live in Centralia, Missouri, which is close to Columbia and New area. It's a small town, very small town. And um, our church sets up what they call, like, trunk retreat. Trunk retreat, right, yeah, totally familiar and with trunk retreat. So then, you know, the we pass out flyers, like, I have a daycare, so I tell all of my daycare mm-hmm. parents, you know, come to the church. And we have a meal set up so that they can eat before they go out trick-or-treating. And then we have, you know, all of the the trunks for the kids to get all of their treats. And then we have things that we pass out to the kids sure. that have information about our church and, and things. Which, I mean, I know it's kind of hard here. You guys don't really have a... I mean, maybe you could just do it out in the... Uh, well, I mean, you, but the thing, the cool thing is that, that we could do that anywhere. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't even have to have... Uh, when we don't have to have a building and a property owned by the church to do that. We could do it at Hessel Park. We could do it. Yeah. We could do it. There, we could find a, a, a business who is um, who would be sympathetic and let us just use their parking lot. You know, to do a trunk. I mean, that, if we wanted to do, go down that road, do like a trunk or tree kind of thing, we could certainly do that too. There's well, plenty I of just, opportunities. Yeah. I think my. The, the thing that I liked the most about it was that we offered a meal to them yeah. as well. Yeah. So that they, you know, sat down, you know, we had all the tables set out and and we sat down with the parents mm-hmm. of the kids who were And engaged in personal right. conversation and maybe personal relationships. Right. Yeah, very good. Yeah. And, you know, we could talk about what we do at our church. Sure. Different things that we have available for the children and... Um, just kind of get people involved that way. Very cool. Another, and it's a great possibility at Halloween time, for sure. Guys, I appreciate your thinking. Let's not end it here. You know, um, my 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 desire was to ask this que- these questions now. Yes, to get us talking now, but thinking and continuing to think about how we need to you know, pray and engage and sow and harvest. How to implement that strategy in our personal lives, in our transformation groups, in our community <coughs> groups, and in Redeemer Church as a whole. Hey guys, thanks for your attention this morning. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to pray. Uh, so, uh, why don't you bow your heads with me and we will pray and then we dismiss. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you that um, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone and the new has come. And that all these things are from you who reconciled us to yourself in Christ Jesus and you've 
given us a ministry of reconciliation. Uh, namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting uh, their trespasses against him. And you've committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. Um, Father, thank you that you do that. That, that. that first of all, you make us new in Christ, and you make us uh, into Christ's ambassadors. You make your appeal to the to the lost and unbelieving world through us. God, thank you that you've committed to us the word of reconciliation, real reconciliation, and you've given us a ministry of reconciliation. Father, that's what this is all about uh, this morning. All that we've looked into and talked about this evangelism strategy. It's about this ministry of reconciliation that you've given to us and this word of reconciliation that you've committed to us. Father, I pray that we would be... Um, fully infested in uh, a ministry of reconciliation and, and fully uh, communicating this word of reconciliation uh, to the unbelieving world around us. God, help us to pray and engage and sow and harvest uh, for your glory um, and for the building of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.